Alrighty, well we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1 if you want to open your Bibles there. Um, this is uh, number 6 of uh, the first 6 messages here through the book of Ephesians. And uh, we are, um, we're going to be moving into Ephesians chapter 2 uh, just uh, after this message. So praise the Lord, it only took us 6 messages to get through the first chapter. Um, but uh, anyway, we're going to be in Ephesians uh, chapter 1. And uh, last week, you know, we saw that uh, God has a plan and he wants to involve us. And this fits really overall in the scope of God's blessings. He's blessed us abundantly. That's what the Apostle Paul is telling us here in these opening verses of chapter 1. He's just laying out for us all the spiritual blessings that we've received as children of God. Uh, and, uh, and so, um, again... Last week, we saw the blessing that God has a plan and he wants to involve us in it. And that's a blessing, really. If you were here in first service last week, uh, I used the illustration of, uh, of my daughter, Megan. You know, when she was three years old, she's now a mother of three, but when she was three, um, I'm out painting the fence. That was my plan. And Megan wanted to help me uh, with my plan. She wanted to help me paint. Now, those of you that have three-year-olds, you know, they're no help when you want to paint, but she wanted to paint, and I wanted to bless her, so I let her paint with me, and after about five minutes, when she was covered with paint, she was over it, she was done, creating more work now for her mother, while I continue with the job, but, but she wanted to be blessed by being a part of my plan, I wanted to bless her by making her a part of my plan, and so it is with God, and so he's got this sovereign will, he has a sovereign plan that he wants to accomplish, he graciously, lovingly invites you and I to be a part of his plan, and in the end, it's, it's blessing to us. And what we saw was that God has made known to us the mystery of his will, the mystery of his will, and that mystery is that God intends to reconcile everything to himself. Reconciling everything to himself. It's a mathematical term. It means to, you know, you add up all the numbers, whatever you come to as far as the conclusion goes, that's reconciliation. And, and God's ultimate plan to us, uh, for us, is to bring everything um, together into Jesus Christ. All things together in Jesus Christ, either through Jesus as Savior or Jesus as Judge. And, and so this is the mystery of God's will. Here's how the New Living Translation paraphrases it. It says, and this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and everything on earth. And the point is, is that God wants to unify all things in our lives under him. Now, ideally, what that means is that um, our entire life should be lived as an act of worship towards God. That's, that's sort of the, the, the big overarching picture of God wanting to involve us in, our plan, in his plan. He wants our whole life to be lived out as an act of worship to him. Our time, our talents, our treasures, everything in our life should bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and if you missed that message last week, I'd encourage you uh, to listen online. Um, and, and so we pick it up now in verse 11, and here's what Paul says as we continue. He says, in him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Verse 12, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. 
Now, Paul, again, going through a list of blessings, and we've already compiled quite a laundry list of blessings that God has blessed us with. Um, Paul started off by talking about how God has chosen us. Because he loves us, he's chosen us. And because he loves us and has chosen us, the next blessing he talks about is that he's predestined us to adoption as sons. Thirdly, the the, the third blessing is that uh, he's made us accepted in the beloved. We prayed that today, just remembering that God has accepted us in the beloved. It means that we are literally highly favored by God, another spiritual blessing that Paul's talked about. He, He says also that God has redeemed us, and that word redeemed means ransomed. God has purchased us with his own blood, paid the ransom for us to take us back from captivity, from the enemy who is taking us captive to do his will, and, and, and the, the, God the Father loving us, sending his son to die on the cross for our sins in our place, paying the ransom, and, and therefore redeeming us. Paul also talks about another blessing. He says he's blessed us with grace, giving us what we need and not what we deserve. And, and isn't that, you know, so amazing? And, and he says he's blessed us with wisdom and prudence to, to know his will and to do his will. And, and then again last week, he's blessed us with the opportunity to be involved in his plan. So we have wisdom and we have prudence and all preparing us for yet another blessing to be part of God's plans. And so adding to this already long list of blessings that Paul has already talked about, Paul adds this in the, in the text we just read, and here it is, that we have obtained an inheritance. We have obtained an inheritance. This is a spiritual blessing that is ours as children of God. Now again, this only serves to underscore why our entire life should be lived as, a, as an act of worship towards God. Because it's just on and on and on and on. He blesses, he blesses, he blesses, he blesses. You know, we you know, saw last week that Christianity, different than any other religion, it, because Christianity, God, God doesn't ask you to give to him. He gives to you. He gives himself to you as a gift. And, and he just asks that you receive him. And that you let him change your life, that you let him transform your life, that you let him set you free from bondage and captivity and hell and damnation and death. And he gives to you life and that more abundantly. And so all of these blessings cause us to worship him. And now we see, well, he's uh, over and above all that, he's given to us an inheritance. Now, who is it that receives an inheritance? Well, typically... It's the children, right? It's the kids. It's the heirs that receive the inheritance. Growing up, I, I lived next door to a to Torrance Cop, and uh, and so you know, for 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 all of my life that I can remember, I lived across the street from a Torrance Cop, and you know, he's, he's, his his his. Son was my best friend. He was the best man in my wedding. Uh, and then uh, I moved. Uh, when I was in the fifth grade, we moved. Uh, and, uh, and then I moved next door to another Torrance cop. Uh, and and then this guy, you know, he's just, a, he's just a cop, just a beat cop. You know, he's just, you know, working and, and making a cop's salary and having a cop's pension. But he invested his money wisely. 
And in investing his money wisely, he started buying houses all through, throughout the city there. Just one after another, he'd buy a house and he'd fix it up and then he'd rent it out. And then he'd get you know, the income from that and he'd roll it over and he'd buy another house. He was a shrewd investor. And, and so by the time you know, the guy was sick in his 60s, he had purchased like a dozen homes that he now owned and was collecting rents from. And, and what he did, he did was he set up all of those houses and, and all of his, the things that he had invested, he set up for his children, for his heirs. And, and, and sadly, he, he would die uh, at a young age, but he spent his life amassing this, this, this inheritance for his children to bless his children, to benefit his children so that they, you know, could get an education and all. And, and so that was what this man, you know, did for his kids. And God's the same way. In fact, Paul says this to the Romans in uh, Romans chapter 8. He says that the Spirit himself, speaking of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And so as God's children, we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, and as such, we have an inheritance. Now, what exactly is our inheritance? Well, according to Jesus in Luke chapter 12, it's the kingdom of God. I mean, talk about a cool inheritance. I mean, my, these next door neighbors of mine, they inherited 12 houses in the South Bay, you know, a mile from the beach. Cool. But we as children of God, we inherit the kingdom of God. Talk about some valuable real estate, right? Turn to, um, to, turn to Luke chapter 12. We're going to pick it up in verse 16. Jesus is telling a parable. I'll just read it and we'll talk about it. So uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 16. Then he, Jesus, spoke a parable to them saying, The ground of a certain uh, rich man yielded plentifully. And and he thought within himself saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? And so he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater And there I will store all my food and crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things uh, be which you have provided, and that is key. I've got in my underline. I have underlined that part of the sentence which you have provided, and I've circled you. The emphasis here is: look, you know, you've worked really hard to get a bunch of stuff, and you've amassed your kingdom, your little empire here, and, and this is all yours. And he and he says, "You're a fool." Your whole life is wrapped up in this little empire here on the earth in the temporal, and, uh, and you're going to die, and then who's, who's going to get all that stuff? Verse, uh, uh, verse 21, he says, So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now he continues, verse 22, Then he said to his disciples, Therefore, 
I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, uh, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. How much more of value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They, they neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat, nor what you should drink, uh, nor have an anxious mind for all these things the nations of the world seek after, uh, and, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Verse 32, he says this, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you, and here it is, the kingdom. This is, this is our inheritance. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And uh, he goes on to say in verse 33, sell what you have and give alms, provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So now I want you to look there at verse 33 because there's a couple things key, very important I want to point out. First of all, um, if you'll take a look there, he, he, he says, um, provide yourself, sell what you have, give alms, uh, provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old. Now, what I have written in the margin of my Bible, I've underlined that word money bags. And in the, in the, the, the margin of my Bible, I wrote, a bag is not the treasure, it only contains the treasure. The bag is not the treasure. It's just a bag to hold what the true treasure is. I mean, you find a wallet on the ground, cool, and it's empty. Well, there you go. It's an empty wallet on the ground. You know, or you find, you know, an, an, an empty, you know, purse in the cupboard or, or whatever it is, an old wallet in the drawer, and you're thinking, oh, man, I wonder if I left it. And you open it up. No, it's just empty. It's just a container, just a bag. There's a, the, the, the value is what's in it. And, and, and what Jesus says here, he says, sell what you have and give alms and provide yourself money bags for the true treasure. So, so the idea here, when he says sell what you have, that, that word sell it literally means to exchange. And it's talking about you need to exchange that which is really worthless for that which is worth something. And then he says, uh, sell what you have and give alms. If you want to circle that word alms. Uh, Here's what it literally means. The root of that word literally means mercy, kindness, or goodwill towards uh, the miserable and afflicted joined with the desire to help. Let me say that again. It means mercy, kindness, or goodwill toward the miserable and afflicted joined with a desire to help. Now, hold that thought. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 1 and look with me again at verse 11. 
See, here's the thing. Paul says this. He says, in him, we also have obtained an inheritance. We have a treasure in heaven. Uh, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Now, if you were with us last week, you know that there's a difference between his use of the word predestined here and his previous use of the word predestined. Previously, when Paul talked about us being predestined, he was speaking of our salvation, that we are predestined for salvation. That's a huge topic. We could talk all Sunday about it. We, we went through it previously. If you missed it, you can listen to the, to the message from a couple of weeks ago, explaining, several weeks ago, ex- explaining this, this idea of predestination. But when he uses this word again here about this predestination in verse 11, it's not talking about our salvation. He's talking about our predestined good works, the works that he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in. And so if you take the thought that Jesus talking about, hey, you've got you know, this inheritance and, and your treasure is in heaven and, and all. And, and, he, and when, he, when he talks about, listen, uh, sell what you have, exchange what you have, give alms, right? So that you can, so that you can have you know, this full treasure in heaven. That It's this mercy, kindness, goodwill towards other with a desire to help. Well, what you, you, you link it all together here and you look and you say, man, I have this great inheritance by God. And, and the idea here is that, man, I'm predestined to good works. And so as one of God's children, as a child in, in Christ, I've inherited the kingdom. And, and since that's my inheritance and since that's my future, what Paul is saying here is that everything in life should be ordered and oriented there, not here. Everything in my life should be oriented toward my kingdom and towards my inheritance and not towards here. And that's a huge point because instead of hoarding my stuff, we have the opportunity, now I have the opportunity to worship God with my stuff. And that's the point and that's the idea. And so we worship, Paul says, through predestined works that God has prepared before us that we should walk in them. These predestined works. Uh, The psalmist said this, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. And that word ordered, it literally means set up. The steps of a righteous man are set up by the Lord. Brenda and I had uh, dinner this week with, with our friends uh, Janie and Justin Alfred, and, and Janie was telling us a story about uh, Justin when they were pastoring a church um, in Louisiana. And uh, there they were, and, and they were uh, they're actually uh, in New Orleans, and, um, and so as, they're, um, as Justin was driving down the road, he's just driving down this road, he sees this man sitting on his porch. N- never been on this road, never seen this man before in his life. And, uh, and, and he actually passed him, and the Holy Spirit spoke to his heart and said, go speak to that man. And so he stopped the car, he got out of his car, he walked up, and greeted the man on the porch, and, and you know what the man said to him? I've been waiting for you. 
God had predestined, he'd ordered this work, he'd prepared this work, he'd set up this work, and then, you know, Justin goes up, shares the gospel with this man, he ends up getting saved, and they go inside, and his whole family ends up getting saved, giving their lives to the Lord. And and so, this this, this amazing thing here is that we've obtained this inheritance And and coupling that together with what Jesus says to his disciples in Luke's gospel, the idea is, man, you've got this inheritance, you're rich in heaven, and and, and the guy who lives his life completely oriented about this world and his stuff in this world and his little empire in this world and completely neglecting the fact that, no, you have a kingdom in heaven, you have an inheritance in heaven, and the dichotomy is, man, you, you want to be rich in the things towards God. And, and what you don't want to have is this, this purse or this money bag that you're filling up with all of this worthless stuff. No, you want to be filling up your life with the stuff that, that, is, is inconsist- or that is in keeping with, that is consistent with your treasure in heaven, the things in heaven. Now, I want you to notice what Paul talks about immediately after making this point, because it's very important. Immediately after talking about this, Paul now talks about trust. I'll, I'll read verse 11 to pick it up in context, but here's what he says. He says, in him also, we've obtained an inheritance, speaking of our, our, the, the, the kingdom of God and the inheritance that we have there, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first, here's the word, trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory, In verse 13, he says, in him you also, there's the word again, trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So what what Paul is saying here, as he says trusted, and you might want to circle that that word, uh, nearby you could write this, you could write the word hope, because that's literally what that word means. And, and so the, the idea here is, is he's saying, look, you got to figure out what you're going to trust in. you got to figure out where your hope is really going to be. Years ago when I was uh, working as a, an emergency medical technician in, in Torrance, it's before I went through paramedic school and, and became a paramedic, but I'm working as an emergency medical technician, so I'm driving an ambulance and I'm, I'm basically transporting, transporting four paramedics, and, uh, and so we got a, a 911 call, there had been a shooting. And, uh, and so I, I was working, you know, in Torrance, in the, the, the city I grew up in, that's where I was stationed, and uh, so we get this call to this house, so I, I respond there. And I show up, and here's, here's this, uh, this older woman, probably in her, her late 50s, and uh, she, is, she is dead as a mackerel, right, in the foyer of her home. She, somebody, she, somebody knocked on her door, she opened her door, and the person shot her several times, and she is just, and it, it just looked like a, like a television scene. I, I mean, I'm 18 years old at the time. I grew up in Torrance, for crying out loud. I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm not used to seeing Stuff like this, but there she is, and uh, she is she is every bit dead, and there is every bit gr- as gory of a scene as you can imagine, and uh, there's nothing for us to do, and uh, and so the uh, the they're you know the cops are basically by the time we rolled up they're already just taking pictures of the crime scene and the whole bit. Well, here's the thing, y- you remember that that Torrance cop I told you about. 
in the beginning, the guy that bought all the houses that was, you know, preparing an inheritance for his children? Well, this was his wife. And uh, here's what happened. Here's the story. Um, he, he had his children, and his, his, his wife, the wife of his children, had, had previously died, and he had remarried. And so this is, this is now his, his, his second wife. This is the woman that he, that, he, that he married, the stepmom of his children. And when he died, and he, in, with his lawyer, put together his estate, and, and he had left something for, for everyone, for his children uh, and, you know, for, for his wife. Well, his wife wasn't satisfied with what he had left him. And so she hired a shyster attorney... And she swindled the kids out of all of their inheritance. And so what happened was what they had received, what their father had bequeathed to them, these heirs, now because this woman had hired the shyster attorney, they lost their inheritance. And so what happened was his, his son, one of his sons, a kid I used to play with, he went to this house, he knocked on the door, and he shot her dead. Wow, crazy. Actually happened, true story. And, and so what happened was he had lost, he'd lost all hope. See, and, and, and the idea, man, well, man, when, when Paul tells us about our inheritance in heaven, he immediately goes into talking about our hope. See, because what happens is, man, we, when we get to the place where, man, we can, God's telling us, look, you can place all your hope in heaven. You can, you can invest everything, and you can have this trust. You can have this, literally, this hope, because God makes good on every promise that he gives to us. Again, he's laying out all the promises that we have. The subject at hand, man, you have a rich inheritance by God, and you can invest everything in that. But, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is that but we have a tendency to want to walk by sight and not by faith, don't we? We're physical beings. We live in a physical world, and we're physical and spiritual, and the Bible says that we're supposed to trust God by faith. The problem is, is that faith isn't something that you can always quantify. It's something that the Lord says, listen, trust me. You have an inheritance. You are rich in your inheritance, and, and so don't fill your money bags up with, with all the stuff of this world. Fill your money bag up with the things that, that, that you know, give alms. Give those things that are, are diligently mindful of the kingdom of God and, and the things that God has called, called, called you to do, called, called me to do. And as we do those things, man, what happens is what we're doing, we're, we're, we're filling up our money bags, so to speak, with the hope and the promises that God has given to us, and we're trusting in that. But so often what happens is we walk by sight, and we think, man, that it's what I can do, and it's what I can, it's what I can engineer, and it's, it's what I can reasonably, reasonably put together. And so the thing is, is that we need to, we battle with this all the time. By the way, that's one of the big reasons that we fall into sin, because what happens is sin offers you a counterfeit and sin offers you something tangible right there in front of you. And sin says, hey, listen, why wait? You can have it now. 
and it's right here, and you can touch it, and you can feel it, and you can experience it. There's no reason to, to have any sort of delayed hope, man. You can, you can have this now. And so that's so often why we yield to sin, and, and what the allure of sin is, is, man, that doesn't require any faith whatsoever. I can have it. I can have it now. It can satisfy me now. And yet it leads to death. And so what Paul is talking about here is he's talking about this issue of trust. And, and basically what we have to do is we have to decide, are we going to trust him or are we not going to trust him? And I want you to notice in verse 11 when he says, in him also we have obtained an inheritance. If you want to underline that, we have obtained an inheritance. Here's literally what it means. It means to assign a portion, to assign a portion. And, and it's written in the Arrowist active indicative. So, I mean, you know what that means, right? I mean, it's written in the Arrowist active indicative. You don't know what that means? Yeah, I don't know what that means either. I had to look it up. Here's the thing. The Arrowist active indicative, basically, here's how the Greeks operated. When something in the future was so certain to happen that it couldn't possibly not happen, then they often spoke in terms as if it had already happened, okay? Something in the future so certain to happen that, that, that it can't possibly not happen, then I'm going to write about it like it already has happened. You know, it's the exact opposite of what we can do with the Chargers today, okay? Because, because, you know, they, they shellacked the, the, the Broncos last time they met them at Mile High Stadium. Just decimated them, right? I got every guy's attention right now, okay? And so we would hope that they will beat the pants off them again today. Not everybody. And there's some Bronco fans here. God bless you. Um, and so... And so we would hope that the Chargers would perform well, but you just never know with the Chargers, man. You never know which team's going to show up. So, so, so that's not a done deal. What, what, what's happened here when Paul talks about the blessings of God, when he says, in him we have obtained an inheritance written as if it's already happened because it's so certain to happen that it's going to happen. That's the idea here. That's the Eros active indicative. See, as Jesus promised in Luke chapter 12 to his disciples, hey, listen, the treasure that we have, the inheritance that we have, it can't be moth-eaten, it can't fail, it can't be stolen. Listen, here's what Peter said about it. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. And so Paul reminds the Ephesians here, listen, your trust is well-founded and your inheritance is, is secure. And notice what he says next, continuing verse 13. He says, in him, I'm going to pick it up in context, in him you also uh, trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were, here's the point I want you to get, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Here's the next blessing that God has blessed us with. God has blessed us with his Holy Spirit. He has blessed us with his Holy Spirit. 
And, and Paul says to them, listen, after you trusted and believed in Jesus Christ, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. See, in, in the days of the Ephesians, and when this was written, um, buyers, when they would go to the market and they would purchase something, a lot of times you'd have a guy, he would travel in from out of town. He would, he would take you know, his, his money with him. Uh, Jesus told a parable of a of a harlot, a gal that you know was had uh, actually it was uh, it's it, it's I think it's in the in the book of Proverbs where you know there's this this harlot and she basically she entices this man to come and sin with her and she says you know my husband's gone away on a on a long journey uh, and he's taken his money bags with him and so you know come on with me and and, and we can get together we can hook up kind of thing uh, 21st century translation so. Um, and basically, her, when she says he's taken his money bags with him, the idea was these guys, they would go, they would travel, they would take their money with them, and they would go on a, you know, a, a trip to purchase things. Now, when they went and they purchased things at the market, what would happen is, as they bought it, it, it then would be packaged and sealed. And they would seal it, actually, with, they would take the wax and they would put that over the seal, and the guy, usually with some sort of a signet ring that had his, his mark on it, he would press it into the wax, and he would, we, he would mark it, he would seal it with his own seal. And by marking it with his own seal, this wax seal, it was a sign of ownership, and it, and it, was, it was there to protect and secure the contents. Hey, that's mine, and it's coming to me. I've sealed it up. And, and, and I'm going to have it, you know, shipped to me, and, and, and that's, that's for mine. And, and the deal is, is that the Holy Spirit's presence in our life, this is what Peter, or what Paul's saying, his presence in our lives, it acts as that seal, which indicates his protective ownership over us. Listen, Jesus said this, he said, he who has received his testimony has certified that God is true, John three thirty three. Now, <clears throat> that word certified literally means to set with a seal. That's what that word certified means. He is, he is set with a seal that God is true. And, and so when does this happen in our lives? Well, Jesus says it's when we have received his testimony. In other words, you know, when you take up, when you lay hold of something, that's what that word received means. You take up, you lay hold of. Literally, that's what that means in the Greek. And, and so when we truly believe when we take up, when we lay hold of, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the, the one sent by God the Father to redeem us, to make us right with God. When we take that up, when we truly believe it, when it becomes not just something we believe intellectually, but something we actually take up and believe and begin to live out by faith. I'm going to place my hope in the Lord. I'm going to place my trust in the Lord. I'm going to begin changing the way that I live to honor the Lord. And this is the idea of taking up and laying hold of. This is the idea. When we receive his testimony, man, he sets us with his seal. That seal of the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul says in verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession? He's the guarantee. Turn to John chapter 14, if you would. John chapter 14. Interesting thing here, as you, as you get there to, to John chapter 14, Jesus, he's, he's been with his disciples, and, um, <clears throat> and they've, they've 
left everything to follow after Jesus. And so now what's happening is Jesus is preparing them. He's telling them, hey, hey guys, I'm going to the cross and I'm going to die. And they're freaking out a little bit, you know. And, and so they don't get the whole thing that he's going to go die on the cross for the sins of all mankind, that he's going to suffer, die, be buried, and then on the third day he's going to raise again. Now he, keep, he keeps telling them. He's spelling it out for them. They don't get it. They don't understand. They don't have a compre- comprehension of it. So they're freaking out. And again, not unlike, if I can just, you know, use the, the, the analogy, what happens is we in our faith, a lot of times, we're in this place where, man, I'm trusting in God and I'm believing in God, but sometimes I just don't get or understand the things that God's asking me to do by faith, and so I begin to vacillate and I begin to worry and I begin to fear and, and all, and so, so what is it? Am I going to Am I going to trust in the Lord or, or am I going to trust in myself? And this is why, and we see it reflected in the disciples, even though after everything happened and Jesus told them what was going to happen, this is why Peter freaks out and denies the Lord three times. This is why, this is why he's doubting. This is why, you know, at, at a certain point in time when Peter was told, hey, listen, you need to go and wait, you know, for the gift my father promised Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. Peter, like, looking at his buddies going, you know what, I'm going back to fishing. He says, I'm going fishing, but the way it's written there means I'm going back to fishing. I'm going back to my old way of life. I'm going to go back to trusting in the things that that I can do, that I can engineer, that I can manipulate. And man, that just resonates so much with us, doesn't it? Because we have a tendency sometimes to freak out. We have a tendency sometimes not to trust. And so, so Jesus talking to them, here's what he says, John 14, verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Look, you've got an inheritance. It's the kingdom of God. It's amazing. It's going to blow your mind. And I, you got to trust, I'm going to go, I'm going to come back, I'm going to receive you to myself. And he says, and where I go you know, and the way you know. And Thomas, who we all know as Doubting Thomas, says to, to the Lord, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, after he probably said, no, you know, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. And Philip says to him, Lord, show us the father and it is sufficient for us. Now Jesus, I mean, it's like the three stooges, you know, just one right after another. And we can take pot shots at them. We're just like them, you know. And so Philip says this and Jesus says to him, verse 9, Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? That's a message right there, that statement. I mean, I just want to pause and let that sink in. Have you been with me so long and yet you don't know me? And then, man, so we can have a life of walking with the Lord. And there can be those things in our life where the Lord would rightly say to us, have you been with me for so long? You still don't know me? And, and, and so Jesus says to him, man... Yet you've not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Verse 10, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? 
The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe, in, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, here's where Jesus promises them this, this other helper. He says, if you love me, verse, 13, or verse 15, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. You could circle another, literally you could write this, another of the same kind. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, look, I'm God, and I'm going to give you another of the same kind. And we know that, that in the Godhead, that God is, is one God, eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And, and, and we, we have weak analogies to kind of liken what that, what that is and, and, and what it means. You know, you think of an egg. It's, it's uh, yolk, and it's white, and it's shell. And yet it's one egg. Uh, or you, you think of water. It's, it's, it's water and then you boil it and it's steam or then you freeze it and it's ice. And these are analogies that we come up with to, to illustrate one thing, different properties. But they all break down. The analogy all breaks down at some point. And we can't fully comprehend this. But, but Jesus is telling them, look, I'm going away, but I'm going to give to you the Father. And the point that Jesus is making is, look, I'm going away and I'm going to come back. I'm going to receive you to myself. You're inheriting the kingdom. I'm really not going anywhere. And what he says is, and so, so that you're not left alone, I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. He says, I will pray the Father. He will give you another helper, another of the same kind, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, verse 17, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. And so Jesus is saying, you know, he, go, he finishes the thought, I will not leave you orphans, but I will come to you. And so, and so what happens here, what, what, what we see is that, well, back in Ephesians chapter 1, what Paul says, look, God has given to us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of our inheritance. Again, that word guarantee, you could circle it nearby, you could write down payment. That's literally what it means. It's used only in the New Testament, speaking of the Holy Spirit, that word. It's used only in the New Testament, speaking of the Holy Spirit. And it is a huge down payment of your future inheritance. Listen to what Paul says as we just read down this list. Verse 15. Therefore, Paul says, I'm in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, here it is, the spirit of wisdom. And, and revelation in the knowledge of him. And so one of the things that we have in the Holy Spirit, he's our guarantee of our future inheritance. And now we start to see this inheritance that we have. He's the spirit of wisdom. He gives us revelation of God, of the things of the kingdom, of his word. 
Verse 13, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And so he gives us enlightenment. He gives us the the knowledge of his calling in, in our lives. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? He begins to show us just how rich we are and open our eyes to that in the saints. Um, Verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Listen, what, what we, Paul is saying here is, look, you've been given the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that your inheritance is secure. And, and the Holy Spirit <coughs> gives you <coughs> excuse me, all of these things, and he gives us power. The same power, what Paul says here, that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. This is the power that you have received in the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing thing to think about. This this power that has been given to us. And the idea that Paul's conveying here, don't miss this, is that as you experience the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life, that you're going to be emboldened in your faith. You're going to be emboldened. You're not going to be in that position where it's like, okay, I know that I've got an inheritance in heaven, but I've got these temptations of the flesh here and now. No, Paul says, look, when you start experiencing the Holy Spirit's power in your life, you are going to be emboldened in your faith. You're going to be encouraged in your faith. <coughs> Jesus said this in Acts 1.8. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that word power, it's a Greek word dunamos. We get the word dynamite from that word. And and it speaks of of incredible power. And listen, Jesus goes on to say in John chapter 16 that he gives a list of of the powerful works of the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit in your life and him working in my life, what it's going to do. He says the Holy Spirit will convict us of sin. He says, the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. The Holy Spirit will speak into our hearts the very words of God. He says, the Holy Spirit will tell us of things to come. He says that the Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus Christ. Listen, I just want to close on dialing into this, all right? Just just, just a couple of minutes here. I want you to hear this. Have you ever felt convicted in your sin? You, you do something that, that you, man, you're convicted and you feel guilty and, 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 and all. Do you know that's a guarantee that you belong to him? That's a guarantee because Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is going to convict the world of sin. It's going to convict us of sin. Now, let me give the caveat to that because <clears throat> he convicts everyone of sin. He's written his law on the tablet of our hearts. Of, of, of the hearts of all mankind. That's why people know right from wrong. People even who deny God, the existence of God, you know, you do something that, that violates the law of God and they'll say, that's not right. Well, who told you that's not right? It's like Adam and Eve saying, oh, we, we saw that we were naked. You know, well, who told you that you're naked, right? You know, but it's, the issue is we, he's written his law on the tablets of our hearts. So the, the issue is you can sin against God as a non-believer, and still experience conviction, but that's still a sign of God's love because it's the Holy Spirit that he sent to convict the world of sin. So in, if you're a non-believer and you're convicted of sin, it's, it's the, the proof that God loves you 
and that he wants you to repent and turn to him. And it is the Holy Spirit's operation in the world that brings that to pass. If you're a believer and you fall into sin and you begin feeling conviction, you begin feeling that guilt and and, and that remorse, that's a symbol, a sign in your life. That's the seal of the Holy Spirit in your life that says you were meant for better things. You have an inheritance and that conviction tells you, listen, God loves you and he just wants you to turn to him. And so, so if you've ever felt that way, man, it's a guarantee that you belong to God. Or maybe you've come to church and, and you, there's something confusing in God's word. You read it and I don't understand it. And then all of a sudden you begin to understand it. That's the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And that's, again, that's that guarantee from God to encourage you to say, listen, you belong to him. You have an inheritance because the Holy Spirit opens your eyes. He illuminates those things to you. He guides you into all truth. You ever been in a situation where you're dealing with something and out of the blue, a Bible verse comes to you? That's the Holy Spirit of God. That's that, that's that seal of God's, of God's work. That's that guarantee from God to say, listen, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. As far as the east is from the west, so far as I cast your sins from you. You ever been in a, a situation where you get a sense or a warning about something? You're like, I don't know. I don't feel good about this. And you have no way of knowing. It's just the Lord tells you, I, we, I just, I don't think we ought to do that kind of thing. And you listen to that, and then, you know, time proves, man, I was right. That's the Holy Spirit's presence, that he's telling you of things to come. Or if you read through the Bible, and, and there's, you know, prophetic the prophecies that are given, and they're fulfilled. That's the Holy Spirit's work, telling, illuminating of things to come. And again, that's, that, that's our guarantee to say, look, God is real. He is speaking to us. He is revealing things for us to see. Listen, paraphrasing the prophet Isaiah, Paul told the Corinthians this. He said, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. But the fantastic thing, listen guys, about these verses is this. That through God's Holy Spirit, God shows us. God shows us the things that are to come. He's our guarantee, assuring us that our faith is real and that our inheritance is secure.